a brand new life. And I've had a lot of people come up to me and just say how much they appreciate just making this story so simple. Friends, we complicate the gospel of God. And as pastors, I myself from time to time is, are guilty of trying to say, how can we tell the story in a different way? How can we put more flash and pizzazz to the story that, that God has been having me prepare for congregations for more than 20 years? We cover the same scriptures every single year. And friends, what God told me for this season was just tell the story and I'll do the rest. And so we've been telling that story, that old, old story that God gifted us of more than 2,000 years ago that was prophesied many years even before that of the coming of the Christ. You see, we've been talking about that Christmas is celebrating a brand new life in Jesus Christ that has come to earth to give each and every one of us a brand new life. We've been looking at the Word of God, reminding us that a new light has dawned in the darkness of this world. We've been talking about a simple baby. Oh, but babies aren't all that simple, because if you're around a baby, you know this, a baby changes everything. And we know that this baby that filled this manger, this baby has changed everything, has changed the course of time, has changed eternity, and has changed human existence as we know it. It is God's incredible gift of a new thing for you and me that calls us, watch this now, the birth of Christ calls out to us to be reborn, that we're all born physically into this world. Uh, the, the, the doctor grabs a hold of us, smacks us on the bottom, we cry, we breathe our first breath, and we are born physically into this world. But friends, when Christ was born into this world physically, it begs us and beckons us to be born again, not in the flesh, but out of the flesh and into a new birth of a living hope, into the spirit of the living God, to be reborn in the spirit of God. It's a fresh start to a changed life. Last week, we asked the question, can you see it? Do you perceive it? That we can't miss this miracle in the middle of the noise, in the middle of all the hustle and bustle, in the middle of making sure that everything is tightly crafted and knit under the tree, or, or that the perfect family gathering happens, or that all the Christmas cards get out. I'm here to tell you, some of you turn out some banging Christmas cards. I, I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's like some of them are trifold. They got photographs. And, I mean, it looks like it's professionally done. Way to go. But all of that is really, really good. But we've got to make sure that we don't miss the miracle of the manger, friends. So uh, we've been walking through this verse of Scripture in Isaiah 43, chapter uh, 43, verse 19. It says, and this is God speaking a prophecy. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Friends, when the Christ child was born, the way was born. When the Christ child was born, the truth was born. When the Christ child was born, the life that we have, abundant life and eternity in heaven, was born. And Christmas is a time of anticipation of God giving birth to this miracle plan to save the world from their sins. The, the celebration of Jesus' birth yearly reminds us that God is always up to something new, and it prepares us to anticipate something called Maranatha. Christ is coming again soon. It prepares us for the second coming of Jesus Christ, friends. Now, speaking of new things, this sermon series was born out of me and, and my family, us receiving Braxton into our life, my first grandchild and Aaron's first grandchild, and the blessings that he brings into our life. I was just talking to a grandmother out there in the congregation, and she said, isn't it just such a blessing what grandchildren are in our life? 
and he's just done something new in me, just brought a change in me. And yes, we've had children, our own children, and that was incredible, but there's something amazing about a grandchild. His presence brings all kinds of peace. Just being around him just tells me that everything is going to be okay. What once felt heavy is now so much lighter. Being around him is, is like if God can do this, if God can create a human being, then God can do anything. You think about that. You ever stared at a, a newly born baby and you think to yourself, if God can do this, if God can offer and be the author of creation, then there's nothing that our God can't do. So Braxton is a brand new proof of our miracle-working God to our family. Now, I'm here to tell you that when a baby's around, it's not always peaceful. There's a little bit of crying from time to time. There's a little bit of hungriness and wanting the bottle, and if you don't get the bottle in time, he'll let us know. Every once in a while, a diaper will be full, and that's the nice part about being a grandparent and having daughters of my own. I can just hand him right off. Bring him back when you're done. Just let me know. Get a little powder on that bottom, and, and Grandpa will be ready again. All right? And then there's times where Braxton just will spit up all over you, just like any other baby, Right? And I'm here to tell you, he is a projectile spitter. I was holding him the other day. Now, like, do as I say, just don't do as I do. I was holding him on my lap. I was bouncing him up and down, which is what you really want to do with a baby after he's fed on the bottle. And it's kind of like taking a pop can and just shaking it and then opening it up, right? That's, that's kind of what I did in that moment. And all of a sudden, I just felt something. I had him pointed outwards, and I was bouncing him. I felt something warm on my leg, and I heard a liquid hit the floor because we have wood floors. I mean, he shot it out, and there was a bunch of it. I was really impressed. And he was giggling before that, and when he was done spitting up, he was still giggling like he didn't even skip a beat. He could have just cared less. He got rid of his problem, no worries. And you want to know what I did? I went back, and I cha- after handing him off to uh, one of the daughters, I went back, got changed, came back out, grabbed a hold of him, and I never lost a smile on my face. It didn't matter that my pants got wet. It didn't matter that we had to clean up the floor. It didn't matter that there was a problem before us that could have caused us to freak out. It was just a reminder. It's all okay. It's just a reminder that there can be joy in the midst of trials. It's just a reminder that when he's around, things just feel a little bit more peaceful. Like our problems and concerns of the day just kind of melt away. The stuff that weighs me down just feels a little bit lighter because just God is giving me a fresher perspective. Friends, if that can happen with my newborn grandson, Braxton, then what do you think the Christ child can do for me and you? That's the question that we're asking. The God who filled that manger, what could happen if we would gaze just a little bit harder to the baby that was born for you and for me? And so we've been looking at this scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, uh, 49 and 43 and 19, but we want to look at some additional scriptures out of Isaiah in chapter 9 today. The Bible says, to us a child is born. This is well before it ever happens, well before prophecy here. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, we're going to go on into verse 7, but I want to just talk about this for just a minute here. Friends, this Christ child was born for each and every one of us, a gift to give to you and to me to be with us, to save us. And this new thing changes everything. And so when Jesus enters the scene, like my grandchild and and, and like other babies, we sense everything is going to be all right and that weight is lifted. And you see that happening time and time again. 
What we're reminded of when Jesus enters the scene is that it's all on his shoulders, that the birth of God is a sign to us that he has the whole world in his hands. It talks here about, and the government will be on his shoulders. Well, which government? At that time, the, the big deal was the Roman government. It was rather oppressive. But is he meant to just talk about one specific government? Or in doing so, is, he, he, is, is God talking about the, 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 all governments? And if he's talking about all governments, he's talking about all nations. And if he's talking about all nations, is he talking about all people, that the entire world is on his shoulders? And if the entire world is on his shoulders, then the whole world is in his hands. And friends, Christmas is God saying, I've got this. Christmas is saying, I've got this. It's all on my shoulders. Run to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And it will all be on his shoulders as our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. With God telling us at Christmas time that he's got this, what an incredible comfort. An incredible comfort. What a peace that's brought into our life. Talking about new life. As a matter of fact, how about a brand new life free of worry? How about a brand new life free of fear? How about a brand new life free of anxious hearts and anxious minds? In Luke chapter 2, we see a common greeting that the angels give the shepherds. It's the same greeting that the angel gave Joseph in a dream. It's the same greeting that, that Mary received from the angel. It's the same greeting that Zechariah, the, the father of John the Baptist, and the birth narrative story received. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Is that for some people? It's for some countries, some governments, some nations? No. The Bible says that this message of good news that was going to cause great joy, this brand new thing is for everybody. And so we know that he has the whole world in his hands. Now, friends, that seems like a cliched song. We've been singing it since grade school. And we sing it, but do we really understand the meaning of it? That he literally has the whole world in his hands. And when Jesus was born, that tiny little set of hands of the Christ child, that tiny little set of hands was one day going to grow up and wash feet. That tiny little set of hands that was born to us on Christmas Day is someday going to grow up and feed 5,000 people and break bread. The tiny little set of hands is going to grow up and heal the sick and raise the dead, and that tiny little set of hands is eventually going to take the nails for you and for me. Oh, friends, he's got the whole world in his hands. And we know that the Christ child is the light of hope to save us from the darkness of sin and the darkness of fear. Going on into Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, and of the greatness of his government, speaking of the government, and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. Friends, we know that the Christ child is the Messiah, the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. He is the Lord of lords. He is the King of kings, and he is going to reign forever. And of his kingdom, there is no end. There is no limit to his power, no limit to his greatness, and he sits on the throne. He is everlasting. And so when bad stuff happens, he's not gonna fall off of that throne, as some of us picture him doing. There's no burden too heavy for him to bear, and thus he is the source of endless and supernatural peace that passes all human comprehension. He's the beginning of a brand new life for you and for me. And to begin that brand new life, we start by laying down our sins, our burdens, our worries, and our concerns, 
down at his feet and letting go and letting God. And we do that by remembering the promises of God, remembering the promises in the Old Testament that lead to the fulfillment of those promises in the New Testament. That means the word of God is full of his promises like in Isaiah, and we need to study them, identify them, circle them, and remember those promises and hold on to them in hope that God is at work doing his brand new thing. And you see what's amazing about the Christ child, what's amazing about Jesus is that Jesus puts flesh to the promises of God. Let me say that again. Jesus is a walking promissory note to you and to me. Jesus puts flesh on the promises of God. He is the fulfillment of the promises of the Bible, and he is Emmanuel, God with us. So what are some of the promises that we get out of that Isaiah scripture? Well, we can hold on to the promises of God that Jesus has come to be our wonderful counselor. That's a promise worth holding on to, that he's our ultimate source of wisdom in any situation or circumstances as our wonderful counselor. You see, oftentimes anxiety and fear result when we're facing something that we don't have any idea what to do with, that it's been taken completely out of our hands and out of our control. And it seems like no matter what we say or no matter what we do, the outcome feels like it's going to be bad. And we're unsure of how to respond or what may be coming down the road. Kind of like when Joseph was told by Mary that she's pregnant and he had no idea what to do in that moment. So he decided to end the relationship quietly out of desperation. He decided there was a dead end and it was going to end. And instead, enter Jesus and the angel and God brings wisdom for a better way to go. Consider the wise men who stopped by the palace and talked to Herod's uh, higher ups and, and say, we've seen the star and we're here to look for the Messiah. And Herod's leaning in because, well, Herod is just a terrible human being that just wants ultimate control of his kingdom, and he doesn't want that prophecy to be fulfilled. He doesn't want anybody to be king but himself, and so he has a plan to destroy that child, and he sends the wise men out and says, when you find him, come back and let me know. Now, they have no idea what's going on, the wise men. They're not wise to the situation, but what we do know is, is that when, we come, when they come back to the palace and tell them, where, tell Herod uh, where Jesus is, what do you think Herod is going to do to Jesus? He's going to go off and end his life. And what do you think he's going to do to the wise men? You think he's going to let them off the hook, or he's just going to take care of them too? What's interesting, friends, is God intervenes in John chapter, sorry, Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. And the Bible says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the wise men returned to their own country, except for they took another route. You want to know what's interesting? If it wasn't for the intervention of God and the angels, they would have gone home the way that they came, and that would have been a way of destruction. They didn't even know that they needed the wisdom of God, yet God gave that to them anyways. They encountered the Christ child, and their life goes in a completely different direction after they've been exposed to him. Their lives were on the line, but no problem. God's on the case, and God's got this. You see, the wisdom of God saves them and gives them a brand new life. What an incredible comfort of peace, knowing that God is looking out for us as well that he's there directing our path even when we don't think that we need it. He is our wonderful counselor and therefore gives us an endless source of peace because of that. You've got to go deeper into the word to get an endless source of peace. You've got to go deeper into your relationship with Christ. And when you do, you will grow in that supernatural peace. Friends, the word isn't just a piece of paper. The word is a person. It says so in John chapter 1 of the Bible. It says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, 
who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Oh, friends, when Christ was born, the promises of God and scriptures were fulfilled and God's word came alive. Jesus put flesh to the promises of God. Jesus put flesh to the very word of God. The word of God took on flesh and walked in our shoes and lived our life. He is the endless source of real world experience and wisdom. You see, the word of God, the Bible itself and its pages give a tremendous source of peace. It contains wisdom for every area of life. But the word made flesh in Jesus Christ also gives this pastor an incredible source and sense of peace because my God is a personal God and he's there to guide me with wisdom even when I don't even know that I need it. Doesn't he do the same for you if you're willing to pay attention and receive that? Oh, friends, it's worth a little bit of peace in our life because we got a wonderful counselor as a promise of God. Oh, that promissory note of Christmas for you also means that we get uh, a mighty God, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, where we know that there is nothing more powerful than our God. And if our God is for us, then we know that nothing can be against us. There's no problem he can't care for. There's no weightiness that he can't carry. He's got big and broad shoulders because Jesus carried the weight of the cross and the weight of sin of the entire world on his back. On that cross, he took on the full force of all the wickedness of this dark world defeating sin. Don't you know that he's got more room on his shoulders, friends? He is an endless source of strength as our mighty God. I know my God's so big, and he's so strong, and he's so mighty. There's nothing that my God can't do. How about for you? He's greater than our greatest fear and stronger than our most anxious moments. And in the Bible, in John chapter 1, it reads this. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not what? And the darkness has not overcome it. Why? Because the light of Christ has power over any dark moment of our life. The darkest of nights, the darkest of pain and suffering, Christ has already won the victory. We will have trouble in this world. You better believe it. But we know that our God has overcome the world. What does that mean? That, mean, that means because Christ is born and we know the beginning and the end of the story, we already know what happens. You don't have to wait to read the last chapter of, of, of God's word because we already know it. You don't have to wait till the last scene of the movie to figure out who wins. We already know it. God's already won the victory. He's already delivered. We walk and work and live and, 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 and exist out of a, a winning moment. We get to read the last chapter of God's word. It's in Revelation, and it's already been spoken. He's already won every battle or everything we could possibly face, and therefore we have no fear, and we can give our anxiety to him because God is enough and God is able. Someone's gonna look at their neighbor right now and say, God is enough. And, 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 and you're gonna say it again like you mean it this time. God, God is enough, right? God is enough. Somebody testify, right? Look at your other neighbor right now and say, hey, listen, God's got this. God's got this. And you're gonna say it like you mean it. Oh, friends, he is able, he is willing, and he is enough which leads us to the everlasting Father. Of course he's willing because he's our everlasting Father. That's the other promissory note of the coming of Christ. Because this child, because of this child, you are a child of the living God. Did you know that? When this child was born, you have the opportunity to become a child of the living God. Your heavenly Father loves you with an everlasting love, and there's nothing you can do to earn more of God's love, and there's nothing you can do to earn less of God's love. We think that that's the case, but it's not. 
God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it, even though we like to try. There's no end to his unconditional love. It's a perfect love. It is a perfect, unconditional, everlasting love for his creation. And you want to know what the Bible says about a perfect love? The Bible says that a perfect love casts out all what? Somebody know, some, some, some people know their scriptures, right? A perfect love casts out all fear. A perfect love casts out all fear. And to show you his great love for you, he sent his son Jesus Christ as his one and only son, born to die on the cross for you and for me, to set us free from the sinful life of this world. And in his grace, therefore, there is no fear of our sin. There is no fear of retribution. There is no fear of punishment. So therefore, his perfect love casts out all fear. It's Christmas, friends. And God is telling you, I love you, and I've come to rescue you from the sin of this world. In John 1, I'm sorry, in 1 John 3.16, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so we're meant to gaze in on the manger a little bit harder and to see just how much God loves us. The manger is a promissory note of love to you. He's a good father with an everlasting love for you. And let that perfect love, that promissory note, do a new thing in you to cast out any fear because perfect love casts out all fear. And the last part of this promissory note in Isaiah to you and to me with the birth of Christ is that we are promised a prince of peace. In the presence of Christ, on this O Holy Night that we sing about today, which Christ is born, there's only one thing to do. Remember what the song said to do? To fall on our what? To fall on our knees to fall on our knees in reverent awe and worship. Because after all, that's what you do in the presence of a king. That's what you do in the presence of the prince of peace. He is the king of kings, and we are meant to bow before him. And rather than bow under the weight of our problems, because for some of us, the weight of our problems are pretty close to bringing us to our knees, and we're fixated on the size of our problems, rather than allowing that to happen, we're gonna get on our knees in reverent awe of the prince of peace and the king of kings. And if we want more peace, if we want new life, we're going to get closer. We're going to lean in a little bit harder. We're going to go a little bit deeper with the Prince of Peace. And therefore, rather than bowing to our fears and telling God how big our problems are all the time, we're going to bow to the Prince of Peace and tell our problems how big our God is. Somebody's going to say amen in about three seconds here. Amen, right? It's all on his shoulders, friends. And he has the whole world in his hands. And if being in the presence of my grandson and just a simple human baby, God's wonderful creation, can lighten the burden and lighten the weight, what do you think can happen if you get in the presence of the Christ child? What do you think can happen if you allow your mind and your heart and your whole being to lean into the manger just a little bit harder this time of year and to realize that it is Christmas that we celebrate God is up to something brand new to deliver you the way, the truth, and the life, to take your fears and to replace them with the good news that brings a great joy of the gospel message. So friends, let this Christ child that delivered by God in a manger deliver you from fear. Deliver you and allow his presence that washes away all fear, all worry, all anxiety, and weightiness to fill you with the supernatural peace that passes all human understanding. 
And I pray that you receive this final scripture verse as a true word in your own spirit. God offers this promissory note to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Friends, the gift of peace has been promised to you because the Christ child has been born. Let's uh, look at some action steps and then we'll be done. Number one, ask yourself this. What weighty burden are you carrying right now? What weighty burden are you carrying that's causing fear, worry, anxiety? And friends, I want to invite you to leave it at the manger. Leave it at the manger. Leave it at the cross. Christ was crucified for that. The victory's already been won. We don't fight for victory as Christians. We fight from a position of victory. The, sto- the last chapter of the story's already been written. You don't have to wait to see what's going to happen. God's already said it and claimed it. Number two, the next time you face a problem, remember God's promises. Fill your heart, mind, and soul with the promises of God. Get into God's word. Memorize scripture. Take it into your heart and know it and be reminded of what God says he's going to do. And remind us that, that reminds us that Christmas is the ultimate promissory note that God is giving us. He's giving us a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. And then lastly, would you let the Christ child lighten your burden? My grandchild has done that for me in some small ways. I can only imagine that the Christ child can do that in even bigger ways. Not just for me, but for the entire world because that's who he came for. Let's pray. Lord God, we just give you all the honor and glory and praise. We thank you for this day, and we're trusting you that you continue to move in mighty ways in Rolling Plains Church out into our community, out into our nation, and out into our world. Lord God, we thank you for this fourth Sunday of Advent that for many, many years has been traditionally giving Sunday towards a conspiracy of kindness towards the rest of the world. And Lord God, as we gather up your offering here today for that and our other offerings, normal offerings, Lord God, we are so grateful for all that you've done. And Lord God, would you remind us that you always have a way to provide for the things that you call us to. Lord God, would you take away our fears of of gas prices and the economy? Lord God, would you take out the anxieties that may come sometimes when we're grocery shopping these days and give us a fresh dose of your promises and perspective that you got it all in your hands? Why? because of a little set of hands that you delivered to us and that we are eternally grateful for. Thank you, God, that we don't walk this life on our own. Thank you, God, that you've cared for all of our needs and all of our concerns. And because of that, Lord God, we pray for a peace that passes all 